Welcome to Blind Shovel, an arts and music podcast. Today, it is me, interviewed by my friend Digby. This is the 52nd episode of the podcast, so I figured it's time for me to be interviewed. Thanks to all those who have listened and enjoy. Good morning. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I, I yeah, I want people to know why we're both gonna have morning voices. That's fair. <laughs> Keep them informed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so everything's good on your end? No, oh, yeah. Okay. It's a beautiful day. Um, I gotta first explain why uh how this is gonna work. Uh Mike gave me the opportunity to guest host today. So we're going to be getting into a little bit about the origin of the podcast, I think. And then uh, more specifically your work. And uh, the last time we talked on the phone, you seemed enthusiastic about the new publication, which is exciting because um, is old growth the last thing you released? Yeah, that's the last thing. I think it was 2020. It's basically like COVID, the moment COVID happened. But the work in that is probably a year prior, right? Uh, it took me and Eve. It was over the course of three years. So it was probably started in 2016 or 2017. I can't recall. It was during the Harpy days that we were working on that. Okay. And yeah. so for people who don't, so for people who don't know, because you, you've uh, done illustration, graphic design, which I think of you as that's primarily your, uh, your skill set, but you then Harpy Gallery, then was the mural arts after comic books? I'm just giving a quick overview because I, I think uh, sure, sure. You've, been, you've been coy about your own, you know. Oh, yeah. So when you asked and, me when I was doing murals, I mean, I was using murals as a vehicle for traveling in a sense. And that's kind of just like in between everything, you know, little side quests there. But I never like really, really focused on murals. I have the prop- okay. <laughs> the propensity to dabble a bit, so that was definitely a dabble. Okay, how long yeah. was that whole that whole period? Because you're kind of glossing over it, but that works impressive. And uh, give an idea of like where those murals are and how many of them there are, and what years you were doing them too. I don't. You know, there's one in Mexico. There's one in Italy, which is the best one, or it's in Sicily, and then there's. A, you know, some in uh, New York, but no, I actually really don't know specifically. I feel like they happened every two or three years and I started doing them about a decade ago. And yeah, I mean, I guess I think of them as just bigger drawings. I don't think I fully ever got into what making a mural is about, but I understood that I didn't want it to look like street art. That's for sure. And then if you don't, yeah, and if you don't want to look like that, then your reference points are like, like Diego Rivera or something, which I like. Mm -hmm. Was that work 
like, were you staggering the, the mural art stuff? Cause I assume that was, that was sort of, you had to apply and give an idea of what, you know, the nature of what you're going to make and then wait to hear back from them. So were you doing the comic book work in Southern California? And then when those got accepted, then you would drop whatever those projects were, go do the mural and then come back to it. That was the impression I got because we were in less communication at that, at that point. Sure. That's about right. Yeah. When I lived in Oakland, California that, yeah, they were kind of, I would just do like shotgun blasts of those things. And I think in some way it was the beginning of trying to be, for better or for worse, somewhat acceptable. The comic work is can be vulgar in a lot of ways. And I think that was the start in some ways of me trying to engage with the social sphere. And it was effective, like, you know, having to stand outside and talk to random people who walk up to you or mm-hmm. compliment you or not compliment you is very different than posting to Tumblr. So this slow emergence out of the shell is central to the progression of the last 13 years, whatever it may be after college. Yeah. And I guess that too, uh, probably the nature of that, mur- that mural work, it kind of maybe cr- like comic books kind of encourage uh, indulging in your excesses and stuff. And I guess, cause the nature of it is so, uh, solitary, it's, it kind of takes on more of a psychological thing. And I think people dig that, that kind of personality work, but mural arts is like, you've got to make this appeal to uh, people who don't, aren't actively trying to see it, you know? Yeah. And you're intruding in a lot of ways. So, yeah, so you have to be a little bit, a little bit kinder. Consider it. Yeah. That's certainly true. I do think that what you say about comics is true. And oftentimes that kind of, it breeds a dark psychology, that type of activity. And that's why old growth is a strange project because in some ways I say it spoiled me because it was fun and I don't like to associate fun with art making, but it was fun to talk to my friend every day and get to know him better and discover something with him. If I had made that book in solitary confinement, it would have been more of the the same, which is uh, more of like a discipline and something that can be very tedious and grueling. And so I think I've actually lost a certain muscle that I have to rebuild and I'm working on now, which is that practice of isolation, um, which has its pros and cons, I think. Yeah. Were you nervous at all? Um, and we'll get into the, the specifics about this new project, but uh, were you nervous at all? Like, cause you'll, you'll take up a new project or, or a new mission so aggressively. And I know sometimes then if you're not doing comic book work, then you come back to, are you ever, do you ever have doubts that it'll be where you left it? Or is it like when you, when you're coming back to that kind of imagery in comics, um, you've changed a lot. And then there's also just certain disciplinary things you might uh, have gotten atrophied a little bit. Do you have that at all? In some ways, I think I understand. Yeah. I mean, fortunately I'm fairly irrelevant as a comic artist at this point. And so any of those concerns would only be from within. And yeah, yeah, that's what I'm asking. Yeah. Like what I'm finding is because of the many projects I do, I've lost some of the 
time to really have the glue that's necessary for like a longer form narrative. So I can be very productive with these series of drawings. And now as I'm just trying to understand how to bring those together in a format that makes sense to just step back into that sphere. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but there's, there's a kind of thread of cohesion that's required. I feel to make a good comic and it takes daily practice and discipline, but I don't, I don't have that time anymore to really do it every, like a page a day or something, you know? Yeah. I, the impression I got, cause like I would see you, uh, cause in the midst of this, you're doing this podcast, you're doing, uh, you're running an art center and uh, you're doing a lot of design work at the same time uh, and all the promo that that's involved. So I could see that like, then you were doing these drawings, but it looked almost like you were, you were turning the comic book uh, or, cause I'm not even sure what this new project, how you define it, but it seemed like it was sort of modular. So you were figuring out like a way to integrate it into your life now that would, that's very yeah. different than your life in 2020. And uh like you were doing these drawings in the morning or you had these little opportunities. So it was kind of neat to see. Um, uh, it seemed almost like the time you could allot to it changed um, kind of the infrastructure, how you make the comics entirely, which was probably totally different than the Oakland or the old growth period. Yeah. It's very different. Those are kind of like threaded. Like there's this one life lived almost, I would say although I've been doing graphic design for a long time and then illustration here and there, but all, all rather cohesive, but modularity is the word. And I think it's something I think about often with the, the couple businesses I'm involved in, um, even delegating and just being able to like kind of compartmentalize a process and have it streamlined, which I don't always think is great for art making, but for my personality, it's actually not terribly a, it's not a bad thing. And uh, there's certainly a modularity. There's something it echoes when I talk to people with kids, how they talk about how each moment is precious and you might have 30 minutes to make a drawing in a day as opposed to, you know, although I was productive in my 20s, there was definitely more meandering and play, I would say. Though the one danger I really have to be watch out for is uh lacking in moments of play oh like to indulge in in that i i I think you need time for failure and space for play and when you get really kind of modular and, and structured um you can definitely increase your technical ability and output but i do think something is lost in that moment you know, if you don't have that time to kind of dream or be frivolous, uh, I don't think you can have your cake and eat it too. I think something is lost in the kind of, um, not assembly line like nature, but something like it, you know? Yeah. And also like once you've sort of cultivated a look or a style or a brand, I know I'd always heard people who were like very professional artists kind of lament that, um, they didn't have the opportunity to kind of like screw up or try something that did doesn't look like them, you know what I mean? Or wouldn't be, uh, somebody wouldn't be able to recognize it at a glance. And I think that's increasingly the case that, you know, people kind of simplify their work in order to both, they don't have the time to, to challenge, like you're saying play, but it's also a challenge, you know, give yourself like tasks that seem hard or, 
or something you've always been interested in, you might not be good at, but you know, if you have, if you have demands of you, uh, sure. I, and yeah, that's interesting. I don't even find those mutually exclusive, but I think some people might for me play, even when I play sports is defined by challenge and success and failure. So I, I don't even know if I'm capable of like, uh, what some might call is true play where all those things go out the window, but, um, there needs to be, I think some utility there. Yeah. You don't have, um, do you think, are you, do you think you could bring yourself back to the point where like you could get into that kind of self-flagellating state or like <laughs> the, the, you know, of, of comic book making? Cause I'm, I, as somebody who didn't do it, but has always been a fan of it. I always, um, there's something like, uh, there's like a respect amongst comic people. Cause I think they both know how isolating and how, you know, once you go deep into it, how engrossed you have to be. Um, but I, I could see that this, you were, I don't know, maybe it seemed like you were trying to come up with more of like a harmonious approach to the lifestyle rather than one that's um, like abusive. That would be accurate. I don't think I'll ever be able to go back there. I don't want to. And the work will have to change. It's not like I can, you know, put on the affect of that, I think. Uh, there is a weird phenomenon, I feel, where the 20s for drawers is marked by a very critical phase in which you don't like a lot of your work. Uh, I do think in your 30s, people tend to hit their stride and actually like their drawings. And I'm not sure that's good or bad, but it's something I hear a lot. And they like the process, too, maybe because some of the things are flowing a little easier than before. Uh, I think I think that struggle does bring out the best in people. And but I don't think seeking it artificially is noble in any way. Um, there's new challenges. You know, I know there's uh, as I be stepped away from comics and maybe it's just the thing of aging, too. I felt more and more human. And my comics don't really represent humanity very well or in any real sense. Uh, they're not interested in that. So I suspect you know, I would probably guess there would be some forays into kids' books um, because that would be a challenge in a different way, and it would be more in line with the direction I'm heading as an actual individual. I think there would be some kind of misstep if I tried to go back to what I was doing in my 20s, but I don't even think I could. It wouldn't flow naturally, so. Yeah, no, I, and that's sort of what I... I kind of liked about it was there was always like sort of a whimsy about with your older comic book work, but there was also like, um, a little bit of like a provocateur, like a hostility or a vulgarity and, um, old growth seemed significantly, um, more like a softening a little bit, but not in a, in a bad way, in a way that was also endearing. And then, um, the, the little glimpse I got of, uh, that little, cause I was working, uh, in your attic over there. Mm -hmm. It sounds like I'm doing varmint control. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, while I was up there, I saw the, the little mock-up you have of some of this stuff and it had, um, and I was going to bring up kind of children's books cause you never did that, but right. I have that right. You never, uh, did like children's book. Illustration. No, okay. no, no, I actually haven't, but I, it's something I think about quite a bit. I mean, it's a pretty obvious leap, you know, there's words and text accompanying each other. And there's also, I just like spreads, you know, it makes it sound like I just, I don't like comics, but actually like drawing 
comic spreads in that context a lot of the time, like kind of splash pages. So I feel like kids' books are that in a succession. So there's a lot of reasons I, I could imagine gravitating towards that. Yeah, that it's almost like um, if you just took some of the other panels out, like, for instance, you know what I mean? Like a cartoon is so closely uh, cycled sequentially, and then comic books have a few images missing, but it's still moment to moment. But then, yeah, these new things were sort of just like the, the grander events depicted. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess as best you can sort of describe uh, where you're going with this new comic. And I, and I don't think it's not coming out imminently or, or anything. And, and it might, is comic to find a way to describe it? Yeah. I think in some ways it's actually a failure of a comic that's kind of ended up as like a collection of drawings in a kind of zine format. And for a while there, I was reticent to even embrace that idea because typically when I set out to do something, I intend to do it even if it's unenjoyable. Um, but this, you know, because I think there is a kind of weakness and only wanting to draw the big moments of a comic. And I think my comics often, if you talk about pace, they're not, I think I like drawing too much sometimes where every panel I want it to be interesting and to be um, autonomous and hold its own. I think people who are good comic artists uh, pace things really differently. There's drawings that are kind of unremarkable but convey what they need to. And then there's text that maybe is more essential in that moment as well. Um, so I think in some ways this is just, like you were saying, these bigger moments. I don't know if you would agree with that notion. I mean, I still like comic artists who, where every page is just insane. Um, but I think it's overwhelming. And when I think of quote-unquote sophisticated comic artists, I think there's a lot of space there. Um, but maybe that's just an academic approach. No, I know what you mean. There's like, um, uh, like there's some that where movement is more uh, consequential. And so that's what you're describing, I think, like where pacing and, and transitions um, are essential. And there might be something that's just conveying like speed or like chaos. So there's not a lot in the panel, um, but it, it, it's efficient, you know. Um, but then there's like been other, um, I think of like Lone Sloan or something, which is like, yeah, um, exactly. it's almost like a dark iteration of what you're doing almost like, um, these big grand moments and you sort of like look at it and then you are sort of animating the figures in it and imagining, um, everything that's happening, but it's sort of, it's asking a different thing of the, the viewer. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think even Yokoyama for me yeah, infuses every moment with a kind of drama and I, and Kirby to some degree. I like that. Or even Fletcher Hanks where there's Fletcher Hanks feels like he cuts out all the fat. I still like that where there's almost no explanation as to why there's suddenly a solution to this big problem that was probably only two panels long. Anyway, there's just like this absurd, mm -hmm. uh, lack of, if I say it negatively, it's like a lack of attention span it's just like but at the same time I, I find something weirdly pretentious about certain 90s comics where like i'm looking at a faucet drip for two pages and this is supposed to convey some kind of sensitivity to the mundane qualities of life i don't really need that from a comic i understand it cinematically i think it's more effective cinematically but i don't really like comics that are trying to be 
cinematic. Yeah, I remember you talking about that early, uh, I guess maybe during Old Growth or something that you felt like um, comic books were like almost getting, becoming regarded as like raw material for movies or like that they they functioned as like, uh, you know, just for the sake of like maybe something animated or an adaptation or something. And that... Um, I don't know if you were trying to do it or I understand this sentiment from like independent people maybe doing things that are so experimental that there'd be no way to adapt them. So it's like almost like that it's exclusively a comic that there's no way somebody could, uh, which yeah. says raw material. Do I, do I have that right? Or am I recalling that right? Yeah. I mean, this could be looked at from multiple angles, but because it is often a gateway into storyboarding for cartoon network or something. And that's very logical because storyboarding is, in line with that. Um, I think animation is obviously cinematic, but it's different than, for instance, I think Walking Dead was a comic, right? And then it became a TV show. Um, I think there's completely different concerns. There's certain comics, and I should be able to mention some as I'm thinking through this. Like Yokoyama, I don't think, I can't even imagine. Uh, you can make an animation, I suppose. Um, I still think something would be lost in his in that context. But I think I was questioning and, and rightly so what is the unique quality of comics and why would it even be a, a relevant pursuit uh, outside of the kind of technical limitations, you know, making a film requires hundreds of people, etc. But that's not really a good answer. I think the aspect of total control is great, you know, uh, but as a medium itself, I think it's worth considering what can a comic do that nothing else can do. Yeah, that's true of anything. It's like, why am I trying to express this in this mode? And and you really sh- you, you do need to tailor um, if there is a theme, um, like what's the best execution of it, you know? And and I, a lot of times, and for a while, I don't think that was. Uh, as considered and the other thing is like he's talking about Yokoyama it'd almost be for him it's almost like why would you like his stuff has such speed and action like yeah. the, making an animation of it would seem like redundant you know what I mean um, yeah 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 absolutely that, and that's so that would, that would be accurate that yeah I, that is a concern I have in general um, but why is this thing a comic and, and why isn't it this or that and uh I think we're going to see a very, with AI, like I, I just think the ability to make something animated or kind of quickly arrive at a solution uh, is is going to ask that question even more. Like, why is this thing this thing? Besides the obvious, like I liked it and I like, I want to participate in that, that community, which I think is fair, actually. I think these human answers that aren't so conceptual are more real. You know, why did I make comics probably initially? Because it was the cheapest thing you could do. It's cheapest way to uh, make a narrative, you know, or an anti-narrative in a sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely the most economical and efficient, which is, and also for distribution and stuff. Um, yeah, sometimes I think uh, it can't be beat in that regard. Um, yeah, I kind of hope a little bit. That's the only reason I, I am hopeful a little bit, you know, about certain like technological trends is um 
that they they can't transmit time if that makes sense so like if you see something ai generated there's no sense of like labor or like man hours yeah, so yeah, yeah. They're, they're not compelling in that way um yeah i do suspect that we enjoy not in a negative sense the suffering of others when it comes to art making that if i look at a painting and i get the sense you did it in five seconds no matter how elegant it almost yeah i do resent it i resent (laughs) it in the sense of has it really gained my audience you know my attention and i understand that there's there's hours behind that that arrive at that although i think so much contemporary painting and art etc is there's a fraudulent quality to that notion um Someone like Picasso is a completely different story. Of course, he could probably make a painting in a minute. That would be intriguing to me. But um, I could feel the depth and the suffering behind all of that. I think comics is the ultimate in that a lot of ways. Like I, there's certain artists and Miyazaki, to be frank. It's like, I mean, you just feel the reverence in some ways for the viewer. At least I think Miyazaki is very considerate of, of that. Um in comics, there's a kind of maybe something else that's interesting where this there could be a complete dismissal of the the viewer's uh, proclivities and in in that the artist is just so purely expressing what they want to express because they have the opportunity to do so. There's nothing in their way. Yeah, that that yeah, I, I think there's something. It's like not even necessarily like that. You see. Um, like uh, the abusive quality that somebody put in, it's almost like just dedication. And um, you kind of like are, are warmer to something. If you, if you, there's some indication that the person was consumed by it. And even if like you said that somebody could make a, 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 like a great artist could make an image fast, that's compelling too. Cause like you can see accumulated hours, meaning like, you'll get a sketch from an artist, let's say at a comic show or something. Um, accessibility too, with comic artists, that's still one of the most appealing. You know what I mean? You can, you can basically sure, yeah. be people you like, but you'll see how quickly they they can draw characters that they've drawn so many times. So the speed, the speed is representative of accumulated hours. So even that's uh, appealing. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, yeah. you're not seeing that event isolated. And I, I feel like that, when technology can do all the other razzmatazz, there's going to be um, a yearning for things that indicate time and dedication. And um, I don't really, I don't see anything technological that has a, a um, an answer for that, you know, and even it, in yep. it's uh, handwritten or something, I think that's going to become almost novel. Um, I think it already is. You know, I, if you look at cooking as a metaphor, I think it applies here as well. There's something well, there's a couple aspects, but yeah, if you obviously your wife or your your mom or whomever spends three hours on a meal, uh, it's very different than if they're throwing Trader Joe's in there, even if it comes out the same. And and also, I think they're satiated. Like, I don't know. I always found it, <laughs> it stands out to me. It's very odd. Speaks to my narcissism. But when I was young, I was kind of shocked by this idea that a cook could cook for people and almost not want to eat or need to eat the food they were like satiated just by the act of feeding other people i feel that sometimes now when i cook for people um and i also feel that that might that's true of art making sometimes that no matter what we like to say there's a great um 
satisfaction in being able to quote unquote feed people with your work, uh, no matter how punk rock you want to frame it, you know? Yeah. I, I think sometimes people don't, they almost like miss the moment where like, cause almost you can trace a lot of people who are consequential in arts and stuff. They had a moment where they were like a super fan for that given field and they had their own heroes. And there's a moment where that, sort of can transition where like people, you know, even if in a small way you have friends of yours or family of yours that are kind of clamoring for your next new book or something. And, um, uh, yeah, I, I, that's sort of exciting and, and comics is a, a good means. And I want to talk a little bit about like the difference between the model you had with Harpy, obviously, which is, um, the art gallery, which was the model of your, you're making one of a kind work and selling that, but then, um, the appeal of comics is that you can get the same imagery to far more people. Um, yes. And they, those tiny differences or they may, they're actually large, but it may seem like a tiny little tilt of the head or it has a massive impact on which master you end up serving in the long run. So it's probably obvious to some, but yeah, Harpy, um, definitely taught me to be more cognizant of the environment and community and the consumers of the, the thing you're making or the thing you're running. Um, and to this day, I just still gravitate towards multiples and I do embrace the singular object as a kind of sacred thing. But I think that sacredness can be carried somewhat paradoxically across multiples as well for its content and for its vision, not for its materiality. Yeah. I, I, it's one of those things where I think sometimes if you uh, are a fan of one or you're, you're, you're really a proponent of one that the assumption is that maybe you don't like that. Cause I do, there is something about a singular thing, like a cherished object, but then there's books that like almost approximate that, you know what I mean? Uh, um, sure. Even like, literature like you'll you'll love that book that you that was the edition you read and that's the copy you've always had and so you kind of have infused it with that um so uh do you have a do you do you have a preference or or i guess more more so do you see did you find that doing the art gallery model that outside of like certain cities and uh if you have a certain stable of, of buyers that that's like almost an impossible business model. Um, impossible in what sense? Like financially? I'm saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you did what you you executed your vision with Harpy, but you, your frustrations were were, um, I would say more on a high altitude thing, not not in, you know, you were showing who you wanted to show. Yeah. Yeah, I did what I won't like set out to do, which was like I was kind of to pressurize my my own taste or curation and to see if it had any weight, I think. Um, but my concerns weren't primarily business. And I think when your concerns aren't primarily business oriented, your business will probably fail high percentage, because even when people go into business strictly thinking from a business perspective, their businesses fail often. So, you know, for me, it was a process of, again, coming out of the shell socially, um, 
giving other people an opportunity and platform because I was given a fortunate opportunity because my brother uh, had a space that I ran the gallery out of. And those are all very important. Even simple things like sitting in a gallery and, and having strangers walk in and talk to me. Um, it can't be understated how I think, yeah, socially atrophying making comics was, but I have a, I had the tendency when I was younger to shell up and hole up a lot more. So Harpy served many purposes. And then ultimately I just realized, wow, if I want to play this game for real, which is what I started butting up against, um, you know, competing with the ability to show certain artists against people who had millions of dollars and access to things I had no interest in, that it was just incredibly unlikely it was going to work in a small suburban New Jersey town. You know, that's another aspect. So although I'm quite rational, I don't make decisions about these kind of things from a hyper-rational perspective. I don't sit down and look at how's this business going to work, who's the audience, etc. I'm just you know, a lot of the times I'm just looking at it from the perspective of growth, uh, from an individual perspective, which I think can be a weakness, honestly, sometimes. Oh, you mean because, well, it's like, how much can you uh, like kind of disown your own taste when it might be, uh, wiser from a business perspective yeah. and with art that can be brutal. Cause that, if that stuff's means a lot to you and it's deep in your heart and then you're doing anything to appeal to yeah is, is that because i guess i was sort of surprised um and i don't know maybe it, it it has like older origins for you but you finding yourself in like a, a curating and organizing you don't have the um and i don't mean it as a knock but you're not the typical kind of um, gregarious or schmoozer that would that I would associate with maybe a publisher or a, or a yeah. gallery owner or something. Um, did was that ill fitting at first, or do you feel like you you naturally have to have that, or or did you kind of will yourself um, to start figuring that out? Yeah, the ill fitting for sure. But I okay. tend to, and it's kind of I tend to go towards what I think is a weakness. But I, I think I need to cut that out a little bit. Um, I think that's very valuable in your twenties. You start to refine your weaknesses, et cetera. But I think as you mature, you have to accept limitations and then delegate properly to others and trust them. And then you have to double down on your strengths, uh, because life is only so long. Um, it reminds me of Miyazaki encountering Mobius's work and his, I think in his thirties and being like, I wish I saw this earlier so I could integrate it more into my style. But at this point I kind of have my thing figured out. And in some ways, Nausicaa obviously shows that influence, but stylistically, you know, Miyazaki is still Miyazaki. And there's something deeply mature about understanding that, that boundary and that restriction. And whereas in my 20s, if I saw something I liked, I think the propensity was to ingest it and to maybe potentially imitate it. All that to say, no, uh, the gallery was a challenge and I, I'm sure my brother in some sense issued that challenge because he probably saw a weakness. But I was kind of lost in that moment, driving across the country, back and forth, living in San Diego, I think, at that time. And uh, 
I think I had gathered all the information I needed to gather about a certain lifestyle uh, that I was living. And it was time to alchemically, you know, transform it. And yeah, it was simply in some ways I was given a gift and I felt the obligation to give that gift to the people I thought deserved more attention. And in the same way I ran a, I ran a punk venue or not a punk venue, but a music venue underneath that gallery, Harvey. And, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, it was the same thing. That was two years long and I felt indebted to some abstract notion. Uh, I don't feel that way anymore. And, uh, I still reap some of what I sowed there in respect to what I do at the Williams center. There's people I got to know locally that I still trust. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if that answered the question. I think it did. No, no, no. I, it's funny. Cause, uh, I have that impulse too. And, um, I think it seems strange to some people, um, that like gratitude would be a, um, like a motivating force in artwork, meaning like, sure. cause I know there were like, a like picture box, um, you know, and, and I'm sure a lot of other like independent or also all the people you saw in Southern California and stuff. And you were seeing this whole, and you were probably very, you know, influenced by this, or this was like kind of your initiation into a different world of comics. And you almost, you almost want to produce an environment for other people or like show spaces, maybe, um, when, when at the time I met you in Philadelphia, there were like, all you know, going to different show spaces. So you almost go, I remember how, how uh, affecting that was. And you kind of want to produce that and also bringing that home, meaning like, you know, uh, Rutherford yeah, itself, yeah, yeah. you weren't steeped in it growing up. So then you're like, okay, I want to bring that kind of message home. And, uh, yeah, but you, at the end of both Harpy and the, uh, and the, um, the dungeon, you, which was the, the basement venue, did you fit you, you felt, like, okay, I, I did my part a little bit self-sacrificially, but, but my, my dues are paid. Um, you know, actually more with the, the music venue. Um, oh, okay. Because I could be a rascal at times in respect to my 20s and music venues. Um, whether, you know, just moshing too much or breaking things or, you know, just yeah. uh, out, of, out of joy, but a certain rascality from the perspective of the person running the venue, you know, I think feeling, I think that's how I develop empathy is by being on that other side of that thing. But I do think that's an important point. Like, you know, I think both of us really like the environments of space 1026 or Fort Thunder, et cetera. Um, running a gallery in the traditional sense is tremendously uninteresting uh, from an art artist perspective. I think you, pretty much, you know, you ship, store, and hang things. And you curate for about 0.1% of that moment. And it's not like a community, you know. I do think there's there's a uphill battle I often face of trying to maybe bring things where they aren't supposed to be. And there's something good and bad about that. And by that, I mean... Yeah, sure, I brought this gallery to Rutherford, New Jersey. Hopefully, that was the seed in some sense to the Williams Center, which I do think there's some argument to be made there. 
And hopefully that if done for a decade correctly, it can actually produce artists or not produce them, but foster them. I don't believe in the production of artists. Um, so I think it's a really long play. I think the good thing about comics is it got me used to that idea. It's largely why I stepped into comics is I could recognize that the kind of almost gym-like quality of going to the page every day and, and trying to finish a page a day was a incredibly useful education. Yeah, and there's, to... criteria, and there's like criteria by which you can judge your progress where fine arts, it's much more elusive or like everybody's trying to undermine it. But with comics, it's like page a day is like, that's the ambition everybody's got. Um, and that's like pro level and then, but, but it's incredibly hard to attain. But yeah, I know what you mean that you could, you can, and for somebody that's sports enthusiast as yourself, that, that has an appeal. You're like, I want to be able to chart, uh, uh, whether I'm getting better or worse. And I'm going to be honest with myself about that. Yeah. And it's actually part of the re I talk about it quite often with the kind of more abstracted nature of the comics I made is that was actually a frustration at some point where, um, they were flowing from the subconscious in a way that was beautiful and strange, but often left room for duping of oneself in respect to the goal and the objective. Now I can see more clearly like, Oh, I see the goal of this book like B.I. Buke, but this panel was drawn wrong, which is uh, an objective thing, right? It, it was trying to communicate something more ephemeral or oblique, but it should have been done. The drawing should have been doing that in a very clear way. And so there are those metrics that that um, I definitely desire. And business, obviously, is a transition into for all the I do think at the end of the day, when you run a business, the question is, did you is it did you make money? Um, Harpy did not. And thus, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, that doesn't mean it was like an objective failure in a lot of its pursuits, but it certainly was a failure as a business. And I take solace in that kind of closure. Yeah, because you're going, there were certain reasons that was because you went into it pretty like this is what I know. And I think I know it well, I think this can work, but you knew the chances were slim because there's no precedence in that area. Uh, something catering to that. And there isn't, um, it's right outside New York, but it might as well be in Idaho. Uh, and from that perspective. Yeah. Because New Yorkers look at New Jersey, like we're scum. Uh, <laughs> and that's fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, very interesting phase. Definitely. You know, again, I always look at this succession as a, I mean, I think I look at maturity from the perspective of this kind of expanding circle where at the center of the circle is your ego or narcissism or your self-interest. And I do view it as a imperative that you keep expanding that circle and serve others while not losing that core identity, which is the challenge of maturity, I think. Yeah. You, you were saying like, Oh, a, a case could be, or an argument could be made that what that RB was the Genesis of the Williamson or something. It, I, I didn't really see any of that as an argument. It's funny, even uh, with the new comic I was that you're working on, I could see, um, 
I could see some like of the, the I guess also why I brought up the murals, like I could see some of the, the mural uh, sensibilities. I could see some of the illustration sensibilities. And then I could see uh, obviously the comic sensibility. And then um, I also, if uh, I may be recalling wrong, but was, was Blind Shovel supposed to originally be in tandem with the exhibitions at Harpy? Like you would feature the artist of that month hmm. and then you're going to do, do I have that wrong? No, you may be right. I've been toying with the idea of a podcast for many years. I think you're correct in that. And it just so happened that, well, I think because New Jersey radio, I was always under the, I had the, this, you sure. didn't tell me, but I, I was just sort of, I had the suspicion that in the same basement of the, of the punk venue that Mike was describing, there was a, it looked a hell of a lot like a pirate radio station, but it was, <laughs> it was above board, but it was, it was tucked away in a room that couldn't be smaller. And, and I, it was all music catering to music, but I wasn't, I got the feeling or the sense that you, you wanted to start doing talk programs on there. It's all true, but I couldn't, I couldn't figure out why. And, um, why, what, why I would do it and what format it would be in. Would it be me talking? Would it be, who would I be talking to? Um, what, what would the nature of it be? And then one day I just realized because I'll have long phone calls with my friends, maybe an hour and a half two, um, with good, with with substance, you know, and and then I realized, well, sometimes I want to know more about certain types of artists, and for they probably don't want to be on a podcast. Frankly, a lot of people who are artists don't want to talk about it. But it was that simple to me. Oh, it's just a phone call that's recorded, and we'd be doing this anyway. We'd be doing it anyway, but also it's a way to meet new people and. It's a way to kind of interrogate artists because, you know, after running the gallery and after being friends with many artists, I I saw certain strengths and certain deficiencies and frustrations, honestly, uh, often with like their inability to be professional about certain aspects of the gallery process, which things that I exhibited myself when I would show at galleries. And I kind of wanted to tease that out. But also show that, you know, I was also more and more interested in like, what does an artist with a kid look like? And, or multiple kids, or, or things of this nature that are a little more mundane that you would never hear about on their Instagram or whatever. And I wanted to be able to introduce people to artists in that fashion. Again, kind of an outmoded thing, you know, I don't, we talked about this, but I don't think I have any interest in doing a video version of this. Um, for 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 whatever reason, I I like to be lagged behind. I don't want to be. I'm not using uh, the latest technology to generate imagery or something. I still like screen printing in a very dirty way. Um, there's something alluring to me about the not so distant past. Yeah, I also think um, uh, that the way we were talking about that there's going to there was an appeal of like getting back to fundamental uh, with comics or just art making in general. Once things reach a certain threshold where they're like almost not impressive 
in their um like in their efficiency or or how quickly you know mind-blowing images can be produced um it was funny how i feel like there was a period where the internet wasn't in full form it was around and then like uh, conversation started to fall off sort of. And then I think podcasts were like the revival of that. We just, we, we don't have avenues where people just talk um, like what you're, how you're describing, like kind of mundane, but also waxing philosophical and kind of uh, moving in that natural way, the conversation it isn't. And also with like art related stuff, you're doing a blurb or an interview or something. You're so consumed with your persona or your brand that those will be very unnatural or you'll meet the people and you've read their, their thesis ever. And then you meet them and they're like a goofball, but their thesis is just kind of like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean that, that is a, that is a central thing that I try to avoid. I hopefully do avoid it. And which is like, I'm not interested in, although many of the people I interview, I think deserve to be looked at from a, with a serious lens. I don't want to have conversations that sound like we're in a, uh, the MFA program at an art school. And again, it comes from a place of dissatisfaction where we both went to the same art school and we both went for illustration. So there wasn't that much, they, it had its own problems, but it wasn't of this nature, this kind of art speak problem. Um, you know, and then after running a gallery like that, I just, I successfully avoided all of that, I would say. Um, it probably didn't help me, but, you know, people, I've always been interested about just the everyday concerns of an artist and and not these huge concepts, uh, just the little things about their life that actually impact the output or the nature of the work that's just something I wanted to explore. And to my knowledge, I don't know who else is doing it, but it felt like it did provide some utility that I wouldn't say is necessary, but at least I think could be interesting. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, I, um, I was like almost like sort of seeking that sort of candor or seeing it lacking that, you know, I, I kind of like started to be a little bit of a zealot about it only because like I I've, sometimes it seems like if there's any reason your art is constraining you, then there's something failing about the work, if that makes sense. So if there's such a dichotomy between you and your work and that you'd be um, something you're afraid would expose you in some way, then there that, that area needs addressing or refinement, if that makes sense. But I yeah. think... Um, uh, phone conversation to begin with is probably maybe for like younger people you have on the podcast. Maybe that's even foreign. Cause like, I'm like you, I love gabbing on the telephone. So, um, but younger people that might even be, uh, uncomfortable, you know? Yeah. And, and what you say there is, is relevant to the way I was making comics. So I'm curious to, to know how I will make them in the future. Not that I was fraudulent, but that there are aspects of my, I mean, I think I succeeded in some ways, but uh, the lane I had been in did not allow me to access certain aspects of my personality or complexities of it. So I think in the newer work, 
there's going to be, you know, some people will not like it because it's different than the prior stuff. But um, when you grow as an individual, the art has to come with it, I think. Um, otherwise, you risk the, you know, Katy Perry still sings songs about being like, it's like like she's stuck in a 16-year-old psyche. It's very, <laughs> very weird. Or there's, yeah. or, or there's all these pop stars who are stuck in, I can imagine some have moved on, but they're stuck in this weird hedonistic hell that they depict because it's simply what sells. So now they're, they serve something other than the art. Yeah, it's what you're saying about growth. It's like if if there's a there's a, a direction you want to go and you can't go in because you're hamstrung by your past. I mean, that's that's the worst thing of all, you know, uh, in terms of confinement. Um, yeah, early success is very dangerous, and I don't say that from an envious position, although I I have to be suspicious. But I do think being successful very early in your art career can be a real trap. I've seen some people navigate it with grace and skill, but it's just, you're not formed enough for people to care about you. You know, like, yeah, you're stunted. It's like arrested development. You know, if you like inevitably have to keep making these kind of like, um, bathroom scrawlings or like, uh, cartoon type stuff. Um, and there's, uh, I guess sometimes I, I think about it like the, the um the model it's like not an expressive model and so you have to find a new model and sometimes i'll see things you do and it seems almost like you're being disruptive just to make make sure you can still move freely yeah i have the propensity for that i have to be careful when i get in that mode um, because that can border on just chaos and 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 yeah you have to it's a very delicate game, I think, and it may it may sound contradictory because, um, you know, as we're talking about Miyazaki, in some ways constraining his style, at least his superficial style. Um, I think I could imagine a listener thinking that's the opposite of what you just said, but you can also clearly see with Miyazaki that he's he's pushing further in different facets of the work in the films and. Uh, for instance, I was watching The Wind Rises, which I don't think people care much about, but it's a deeply emotional film, and I cried during it. And I don't think I'd cry during any other Miyazaki film. So I think, sure. you know, he succeeds in a different way, but he's kind of done with that one place because he knows now stylistically this is the vehicle for something deeper. Because ultimately, like, visually tinkering with your style is probably not the deepest path you know, if you do it your whole life, probably not the deepest path. Yeah, it's it's funny too. Uh, and I, I, um, I was when I read um, there was some book I have like about Atomo, the Akira creator, and um, they're all it's all captioned by um, by him, and it's like talking about what what was going on at the exact time he was working on different parts of Akira, the graphic novel, and. Um, and it's funny because the his insights are like so they're like so so uh quiet and modest and like you know talking about oh the the flowers always bloom this bloom this time of year or i always get cold when something you know what i mean or Mm -hmm. certain teas or whatever and he's making this like mind-bending comic at the time um 
And that's always sort of fascinating. Sometimes you've probably found uh, with some of the interviews that you that you think you'd be getting a wild or more of a free spirit, but they're, you know, that's all being expressed in the artwork and they're kind of, um, they don't, that's not any part of their, their obvious personality. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So like um, there is a weird dynamic, you know, because we're saying you should be able to kind of fit yourself into that world of your making. Um, but in some ways it shouldn't be so ham fisted or bombastic. It should be potentially subtle, uh, without being like overloading the viewer. Yeah. Or that the work is dependent on, uh, explanation. Cause then that's a, that's a bad paradigm too. It's like, there's certain artists though, that like you get consumed in and, and you're, you could read any of their, you could read, uh, you know, just essays by them or director's commentary or something. And the work like uh, keeps its vitality, which is so crazy. Cause it's like, um, you know, if, a lot of times if somebody explains a magic trick, it kind of undoes, or that thing um, that psychologist said, James Hillman said, it was like the dreams getting killed by interpreters. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, I don't know if you've felt that way with any of the blind shovel episodes where you're like, Oh, I feel like I'm kind of undoing this person's mystique. Um, mm. Has that happened at all? Well, I don't think, I don't think that's happened. Um, large, largely because I know them, you know, most yeah. of the people I know. So maybe the mystique is gone, but I also think you should be inexhaustible in that mystique. Like there you should be, if they, if they peek behind a curtain, there should be another curtain and another curtain. So there should be, even if the superficial details are revealed, you should have enough depth where it's inexhaustible, where if you, and you can see that with great work. Um, the behind the scenes about a great film doesn't it doesn't diminish it or or ruin it. It actually it adds to it. So I think that's a good process. I don't I don't like the term demystification because there's there's aspects to mystification that are good. But yeah, or manufactured is the bad form. You know what I mean? Where yeah, yeah. So I I don't know. I think this. You know, you can think about so many actually great works of art. And I just think they and their creator and the story behind the, the creation are pretty much inexhaustible. And that's a, a sign of their strength. Yeah, I got the impression that because um, I knew you were it was probably around the time either old growth you were working on or was coming out. But and because and I've heard in the Blind Shovel episode, you bring up Miyazaki and you've done a bunch during this one. Um, it seemed like you went, you got totally consumed in, in his, but you've been a fan of his since you were young, but um, did that, the whole period kind of like push you even stronger, you know, in the genesis of, of doing the podcast? Cause it seemed like you, you were reading um, biographies, autobiographies. Do I have that right? Yeah. You mean being interested in the nature of an artist? Yeah. But, and then him in particular, it seemed like you, you know, uh, well, that totally was it's strangely recent in which I started to read all the books about him. Um, maybe because I show his work at the Williams Center, I feel the need to be informed. But I'm also just in, a, you know, as a as a entrepreneur, I'm in awe of his ability to effectively. I know he manages studios with other individuals, 
Um, but basically, successfully scale his genius, which is obscene. Um, it's almost unprecedented, I would say, that to be that consistent, to to be able to... I mean, like, there's missteps for sure, but I don't know. I'm I'm just in shock at his ability to do so. What and what appears at the risk of like a, being a good family man it seems seems that one can't do it all. But uh, yeah, just like as someone who needs to lead people and and understand how to run a very large scale of an art center. Uh, I think I became more and more interested in like that kind of thing, you know, like how could someone of his disposition manage to do all these things successfully? Yeah. It's, it's very and, remarkable. Yeah. And not have like a great loss of quality as he's, as he, he's scaling it up, which, yeah, I, I'll talk to people when I go that part of it always, particularly in film and stuff. And, and then it's sort of funny a little bit that, people aren't more forgiving of personalities like that. Cause like you always hear about that, about like Fritz sure. and sure. they go, Oh, he was like a brutal taskmaster on sentence. And you, but then you look at his work and both in innovation and you know, how, how many masterpieces he made. And, and you go, I, I don't know if there's a scenario where that, where you don't have that personality and, and uh, efficiently pull that off. But, but I guess there's part of it that's probably a little bit, negative when you're reading about him and you're going is there any way now because you know you have your own personal pursuits what type of person you want to be can i can i maintain that and, and develop that and also take on bigger and bigger tasks and not become brutal you know or or um very difficult you know, yeah it, it, you uh, yeah, you. I assume you haven't found an answer to it, or I don't know if anybody no, has. I mean, look, it's product of your culture and time, right? Like, how far is brutality of his nature going to get you today in a suburb of New Jersey? Like, you have to be cognizant of that. You know, it's not Japanese culture. You're probably not getting 20 hours of work out of an employee a day or something insane, you know? Um, and so, you know, I watch a lot of sports again, so it's like, looking at coaches and their cultures that they try to build in football is very interesting to me. Um, because as a viewer, you kind of have this simplistic view of them and you think everyone's friends on the team and they, they hang out and they're all happy when they win, regardless of who got the touchdown, et cetera. And at, the truth is like, these are grown men making millions of dollars with massive egos being managed by another grown man with making millions of dollars with a large ego. So, I'm just really interested in, in, you know, as I have four older brothers, like I'm interested in wolf packs in general, packs of individuals. And, you know, I think that's largely what art movements have been. I love the individual. I love individual soul, et cetera. But I am more and more interested. And it's probably why I'm gravitating toward away from comics is like um, in that like five to 10 person mission and how you maintain integrity across that mission obviously uh, studio ghibli is much bigger than that but often i consider what is the scale even with my fabrication company with my partner matt like 
how many people would we even want ultimately? Where do you start getting diminishing returns and where do you start losing the soul of a business? Those things are all very interesting to me. I think Ghibli is showing some, I think the Ghibli museum looks like shit. I haven't been there. I've only seen pictures. I think obviously Goro, Goro, his son makes some bad films. There are some very bad studio Ghibli films largely coming from him. And so Miyazaki's not perfect, but he's damn near perfect as a role model in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah, that's probably the part that I maybe, uh, because uh, because yeah like you mentioned uh your your brothers and stuff there's a lot where i'm like oh man uh, you know i like uh, uh there's a, a lot to like admire about stuff you take on but but one working uh with artists in that regard or, or wrangling people and and uh yeah does is that painful to you or or have you do you have you developed that sufficiently where where you can kind of compartmentalize any of your um those sensitivities that would be involved, you know, I, I, I never, I haven't figured, you know, how to uh, square that circle myself. It's painful in certain ways, but I think it's all in the service of growth. Um, and I do view life from a kind of perspective of like each decade of your life, roughly speaking, should be a different sort of challenge or adventure. And, and for me, the thirties is about the social sphere and, and trying to give that a go. And, exhausting in that domain and then taking a step back very likely i imagine myself making more solitary work um you know when i'm older lord willing and um but i felt odd about wasting certain types of fuel in a sense uh, of the 30s and late 20s in a room in the darkness um i just didn't see that as proper and i guess i'm seeking a full life Although modernity offers you the ability to really specialize and and be one thing, one sliver of life and do it very well, I'm disturbed by that proposition. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And and but I saw almost like you picking up comics again, going that there was you had stored it, you hadn't scratched that itch in so long, and um and also being a recently married man. Um, that you, that you were like, I, 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 I do still need something that's just me, uh, in a, like, go like a meditative quality, you know? Totally. Totally. Yeah. Now I, I run to the, the page in the past. It was a stressful relationship. Um, and that, that joy, that escape creates a different kind of work. And I'm not saying it's better work could be worse. Um, but it's a different dynamic I have with the whole process. But absolutely, if there's one thing I could do, I would add maybe two, three hours to the day, and I would that would be me working on comics and drawing. Um, I when I when I get caught up in the the curation and managerial aspects of the Williams Center and and the Eternal Wealth, which is the fabrication company, uh, there's no lie that I I absolutely yearn for just the time to draw. And then I draw and I go, Oh, this is magic. I forgot, forgot this was magic. So absolutely. There's things lost in the process. There's many things gained, but, um, 
you know, I often say too, like I imagine myself an inexhaustible well of inspiration in my early twenties. And then I got to my late twenties and I was like, based on the life I've been living, I just, I don't think there's much to pull from anymore. And so there's, there's a life that needs to be lived. Um, again, modernity has this weird quality where like you can kind of avoid life itself. In the past, you look at artists' bios and their, their life is, it's inescapable. Things happen, tuberculosis, whatever, they go to war. Like the depth of their experience is just explicit. But in, again, in modernity, you can pretty much avoid actual life. And the work tends to suffer for that reason. Even if you're not making autobiographical work, I think it suffers. Yeah. Also, um, I, I feel like, um, previously, like when artists weren't, um, working on their work, they, well, I, I guess a fast way to put it would be like modern artists. You'll find a lot of them when they're not making stuff, they're like an audience or they're, um, like their fans primarily. So like they're also ingesting so much in the way of entertainment. So they, um, it's sort of a different paradigm than previously that was like, okay, they, they produced artwork, but then their own lives might, um, um, maybe aren't, is, wouldn't, wouldn't be that engaged with the arts. Um, like it was purely their own expression. And, um, you're just inundated so much more. I think it's like a little bit more difficult. Um, and also I think the stuff you're making, uh, you're probably asking less of it or asking different things from it. Cause I remember, um, Antonov, uh, the teacher, I think we both had at art school. Um, the philosophy teacher, he, I remember him talking about like Zen or like pre and post Zen enlightenment. And yeah. how he was like, as much as I want enlightenment, cause he was, he studied in a monastery. It was like, I have to admit the pre enlightenment work is preferable. But it might be yeah, from the strange, yeah. <laughs> so, is um, is it is it weird almost being uh, like you said, kind of enjoying or asking different things, or maybe less from your own your private work now? Um, it's it's a, a bit odd. It's different, but I think there's something good about that. I have the t the propensity, especially when I was in early illustration in school to overload, to overthink, uh, the work and, and it amounts to like, well, everybody does that. You have the time. Do you know what I mean? To yeah. Just... Yeah. Yeah. But like <laughs> visual things can be very simple. You know, you can, you can literally draw a cat in a certain way and it's just a cat, but it conveys everything in a sense. And what I'm asking of the work now is, is very different. And it, in some ways it's, um, you know, I was getting a little annoyed with the frivolity of my symbol exploration. And this was kind of a thing that I feel like it was in the water I was swimming in, in which people would be pulling these kind of more archaic symbols or occult symbols or, or just, um, you know, aesthetically very interesting things and manipulating them or presenting them in a certain framework without much understanding of them. I never really got too deep into this, but um, it made me aware of the fact that like one should be kind of a, 
more cognizant of the symbols they play with because they're very powerful things. They're not just stickers. And the work I make now largely plays with Christian symbols, which are the symbols I'm most familiar with. And for me, that's a very interesting challenge. Um, you know, like there is something endlessly appealing about the, the, the cross and but also I'm just trying to play with a more philosophical and religious um, space as opposed to a psychological one. Um, I, I would say my pre prior work is more like mythological and psychological um, and darker. There's kind of this, there's more cynicism at play. Um, I'm just more, I'm, say again. Kind of not like and sexual too. So you were. It seemed like you were. Um, uh, with, mm. You know, you were, you were rooting around there first. Which most in their youth, that's like what you're far more consumed with. You know, and then inevitably you go, okay, then what? You know, once you've kind of like navigated the shadows and the dark. You know. Um, yeah, I think it should give way to what I would call the erotic, which is not a sexual term to me. In a sense, it's like a. It's just polar. Yeah, sensual, it's polarization, proper polarization. Um, that can be felt in the work itself. It doesn't need to be so explicitly uh, vulgar. But, you know, I think comics have a history of that vulgarity and that freedom that I value a lot. And uh, I'm sure I'll have my moments going back to it. But it's not what I'm currently looking to explore. Um, and like I said, I think I'm... The work I'm working on now is kind of more like a zine structure, I think. That's how it's going to emerge. I don't. It'll probably give way to a comic one day, but I think kids' books would, would be a very interesting place to um, kind of root around in because they're, they're so flaccid these days, I find. There are some examples of good ones, but uh, there's something telling about... It's a canary in a coal mine, I think, when when you look at the kids books of like today versus a hundred years ago, uh, it distills for me a certain problem. Yeah. Also it's, it's weird. A lot of times people I think are almost like dismissive of people who do children's illustration because they go, Oh, it's good stuff. But there's another side of it, which is like, okay, maybe they're not interfacing it like on a, like an intellectual or a philosophical level. But when you think of like the capacity for imagination that kids have, you go there, that's the best audience you could have in terms of like, they're going to get the absolute most out of it, you know? Well, yeah. And I think this, that speaks to like, I just believe at least in what I've experienced, adults are becoming increasingly boring and cautious and pathetic to me, not to be overly judgmental. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and for me, for me, the art center is, trying to address this problem in a lot of ways where like, you know, can we get some, something going here? Culturally speaking, can we, can we watch a strange film and talk to each other about it? Can we see music? That's, you know, even with the music, like, can we just have a good time? Sometimes that's all you need. Uh, can we get outside the house again? Can we, uh, can we just live a little bit and develop some rituals again? Um, for me, I, I felt like I had to get to that problem as well. Like, because sometimes you're making these comics and throwing them into the void if you don't feel connected to your culture or society. I mean, there were there was a time when artists were 
uh, th maybe this is a illusion, but it seemed to me that, you know, people participated in their singular culture and, uh, they surely had gripes with it, but they kind of understood the bounds of that thing and, and what they had contributed. And, um, that frustration is very real for me. And I think that's partially why I stopped making comics too, especially with picture box shutting down. Cause that was my favorite publisher. I think that took some wind out of my sails and, and I had to kind of look around at like what else was there. And I'm not sure I ever really found that answer. Um, well, it sounds like then you were like, okay, then I have to like produce a new hive, you know, in the absence of that one. And that was, yeah. Yeah. It's a heartbeat. At the very least, try um, and take take it upon myself. You know, even with the fabrication business, like I, it's born out of the frustration of you know designing something correctly and then having it brought back to you after it goes into production completely wrong. And this is just infuriates me. Um, but I've also learned to have, be more graceful with that and be like, well, you know, you have to trust to delegate if you want to reach certain heights. Um, in general, people are going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes. And the problem is this kind of slippery hippie slope can lead to just decreased quality of work, period. And you have to be real about that. If Miyazaki was a, a sunshine, uh, you know, ray of sunshine, and if Fritz Lang was a very nice man, you could almost be guaranteed their work would suck. Yeah, or not happen at all. He would go, well, you know, I can't treat people like this. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I'll take on something more modest. And and we were talking about it, uh, maybe a conversation or two ago on the phone. But like people pushing it and it, like more ambitious work, because I I'm sort of excited by both. Like the these, and I think your podcast is like kind of an expression of that, or the comics and stuff, which is like a, a more affordable small item delivered to a lot of people, and then that producing the market. But I also uh, you know, get such a thrill from people taking on like Herculean tasks, very ambitious work. And I hope that continues too, you know, but um, once you take on stuff like that, it's very hard to retain certain aspects of your humanity, you know, but I kind of have a respect for it, even if um, it could be like have a self-destructive quality in terms of your better. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I mean, I, the question is how many Herculean tasks can one do at a time? It seems for me that the Williams Center, the art center I run, is that task at the moment. And the drawing is a respite from it. And I'm not convenient about that. I think that means worse drawings, straight up. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, you have, it means, yeah. It's clear that you're worried about that. And and as strange as it may uh, sound, because she may listen, but... Uh, was getting married too, where you were like, it's hard if you're consumed with art for so much of your life to not see anything that's going to eat into your time as adversarial, even if it's not directly adversarial. So if you want to start a family or, and I know that's been a, a point of a lot of your questions on the podcast has been like uh, asking people about balance, like some people who are a little bit um, ahead in terms of, and so you're kind of going like, okay, when this comes up, how did you wrestle with this? Cause there's a psychological component, which is like, is my is the, that the way you described your ego is that shrinking you know and it could be in a good way or it could be in a bad way um 
do, do you have that when you're doing the art center, when you're doing the fabrication and then when you got home life, are you, you know, is it hard not to, um, you know, or, or have you already cycled down where you're not, you don't see them as, um, yeah, I mean, I think I've processed all that in the, in the past couple of years. And I do think, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not easy, but I think reducing this, the expectation of production, like we were talking about the other day, is a big part of it. Kind of recognizing that life is quite long um, and having a different perspective. I always think of them as plants, the comics, and they can be different kind of plants, succulents or or whatever. You know, they can be they can need watering every day. They can need watering tw- once every two weeks. You're going to get a different result um, for sure. But. Yeah, I think sometimes sometimes for me it's about slowing down the expectation of the production. So uh although I think you know I have great respect for people who can hammer down on one thing and just go full throttle. It's definitely not me. Um but no, I don't have resentment about it. I think I I look for places for it to grow, you know. That's why the kids books for me is a very integrated idea like it just feels correct and and in alignment so i think typically it's a form of it comes from a form of resistance where these inefficiencies emerge where like you know i still want to make bi buke but i'm a comic i made in my early 20s but i'm uh, in my mid 30s and i still want to take that energy but that energy is has been changed altered um and you have to yeah. honor that yeah it's like those um Oh, God, you know, God bless him. Those like eighties, like glam rock guys. And sure. you go, man, what a thing to be stuck in, you know, in terms of oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Then there's other arts that you go, they kind of age gracefully, meaning like you'll see jazz guys or country musicians and stuff. And like, they'll get older and it almost fits them even better. So exactly. You go, you know, sometimes you go, okay, I think that was a crucial period, but uh, not knowing when your time that time is up or that transition is necessary. Um, and also that like you might be challenging might not be the um, the focus of your artwork anymore. It might not be the focus of artwork you you want anymore. And also and it's almost like an inversion of that like uh, hard times and man, yeah, 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 yeah. it's like sometimes challenging times you want to produce an antidote to that type of um you know the psychodrama you, you might be living through so you almost want to make things that aren't um so sometimes that can be provocative because you're almost yeah um, like not making something that's dark or or um violent or or something it's like you're kind of fighting you're like okay maybe it's time for growth both you know in a broader sense and personally yeah, I think thank God I don't make from from an emotional place, so I don't rely on like um, emotional turmoil to make work. If I did, I think this is a this is a big mistake people make. I don't know if it's a choice. I don't think it is a choice for many people, but they can get in this kind of self perpetuating cycle of going through breakups so they can make the next painting, and then they do it again. And you know, I, I feel I'm capable of making from many different places, so even if my life is getting better in some ways, I don't feel like the art has to get worse, but I do feel I know people who make from a position where like that would be true. Uh, does that make sense? 
Yeah, you're saying like they they consider their like more dramatic or traumatic periods of their life to be more fertile soil for creation. So then they start to almost seek it. And then, but at some point that's like a short-term proposition because it's going to catch up to you. You know what I mean? Because you're kind of like yeah. introducing chaos. Um, but, but you're somebody, I don't know if you ever had a period where you weren't, but I've only known you as somebody who's like, um, like as this morning, waking, uh, waking up on the earlier side and, and uh, having a list in a very, uh, orderly, um, was that always the case or, or did you have like a more, um, freewheeling period? Um, there's moments of freewheeling, but they're still really quite productive, um, I'm yeah, lists are essential to me. And now I just have more complex lists, I would say. Um, yeah, I've seen them. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're strange. They don't, they're not like, like a bureaucrat's list. They're like a very weird mixture of order and like scribbling. They're there. Uh, and I think that's telling. If you look at my, if you were to see my notebook, it would tell you a lot about something. There's a kind of, uh, explosive quality with the with the scratching out, etc. But there's a very much an orderly and the colors. But then there's also like, okay, we need to have some order here. So I do think order is a um, is a friend in this equation, um, especially if you have no fear of turning into kind of an automaton, which I don't. Like I don't even know how I would. I think some people that might it might bring that out in them, but. Um, for me, it's just about trying to wrangle the the kind of energy that's bouncing around from the moment I wake up. Yeah. Yeah, like you. Yeah, you need those constraints because you know that the volatility, the energy in your life. Okay, this is because because I kind of I, maybe that's something we were we saw eye to eye on, but like we both like a lot of the like traditions, um, but then also we have like a rambunctious quality. So then you go, okay, I need within this framework, it's like I'm channeling that energy more efficiently. And so like everything's sort of better on behalf of that rather than I get totally consumed in that, that wilder energy. Um, it could get, well, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point of identification. I think like, even with these books I'm making, like if I'm playing with Christian symbols, I, I don't want to be like a Christian artist in the sense of, uh, it's a different form of order where you kind of say like, oh, this oh, is the type. So, yeah. Yeah, it's constraints. Like yeah. Once you go, okay, these are the walls I won't go. Uh, I'll only operate within these walls. It's another form of kind of um, you're bound now. Well, it can be good. You know, obviously comics are very constraining, but this kind of calcifica calcification of the identity is like negative, I would say, where it's it's ideological, basically. It's propagandistic to be like, like using yourself as a tool for this kind of thing, I, I think is dangerous. Yeah. Do you think, uh, I don't know, are you seeing it, the possibility at all or, or maybe the a desire or like, um, cause it, it, it was in short supply for so long, but like, um, I would say things that like, more you know i'm putting tacking on kind of a deeper question here but um like a more spiritual work or a work that because it seems like people are going to really i think they already are but things that are very more transcendent and that are are not adding to 
disorder, but are more um, like uh, things that have more of a stillness to them. Do you think that's going to be, um, cause I, I think about like a little bit of that work we were both describing like picture box or fourth under or something. It was like maximal. And in my mind, a lot of that I think was re- had a little bit of a reaction to like the, the internet. We were first interfacing with that and it was so like maximal. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think there's a, we've reached a little bit of an exhaustion, um, and maybe like the work you're describing, this new zine is going to f- feature, um, you know, is maybe an answer to that. And maybe there might be a little bit of a movement of that kind of more of a still or meditative or um, like. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there is a there is a quietness to the work that's different. But no, I mean, I just don't. I think we've busted through even the notion of exhaustibility and we are at a breakneck speed. I don't think we're ever going to return from without some major shift so um you know i talked to jesse balmer my friend who animates and like his goal is to make a very quiet animation because he just sees animation increasingly you know kind of distracting for children and and hectic i hope but you know i have my suspicions about how difficult it can be to be in stillness and how easy it can be to be distracted so um there is a gravity to these negative qualities and you need some real shit, some real rituals and time honored structures to fight back. And I just, I hate to be a cynic about it, but yeah, I don't think that's coming for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. The question of exhaustion is almost like move. Cause it's, it's a, um, it, there's too much of like an addictive quality once you get acquainted with a certain speed. I remember even leaving the city. It was like that. You almost took a while to like be able to cycle down. Um, yeah. Yeah. Or maybe when you moved to the suburbs, it was like it, you kind of had to fight it. And then even um, there's so many things that are sort of trying to ramp you up. That's what, but it seems like even with the, um, the podcast in its nature is uh, like you're saying that, that, that seems to be a pursuit when I would think of your earlier stuff as being like, had a, had a frenzied quality to it. Um, Do you think that's probably the, the biggest difference is like both wanting it and also sort of living a life now that has, um, uh, has more of a quietness or domesticity to it. Yeah, it's difficult because I don't. I wouldn't say there's still a strange ambition at play. Um, I don't want to downplay the frenzied nature of certain days, but there is a stoicism that goes with it, and the ability to kind of handle that hecticness in a different way. That that I think is tantamount to a type of stillness, you know. Um, but I don't. I wish I had more time for true <laughs> silence in a sense. Um, yeah. It's more manufactured internally or, or not manufactured, but it's, it's kind of achieved internally. But I think there's a difference if that makes sense between a, a genuine all encompassing piece and, and one that is put on to kind of uh, navigate uh, certain chaotic qualities of everyday life. Well, sometimes the inverse, like you, once you have, you're not asking your, your external or your, your work or the art center or something to satisfy or your art to satisfy like personal demands. And then there is a, um, 
you have a place where certain of like the your your deeper kind of desires you know your your human side those things are getting answered then you're not demanding them of things because sometimes that can get bad you know what i mean you're trying to have your your these things you're curating or venture planning or whatever to satisfy things they're they're ill-equipped for so it's like we were saying with art it's like make sure that the theme you have in mind you have the the right type of art to facilitate that it's like don't ask of your your pursuits things that you really want personally you know yes yeah you definitely have to recognize what art can and cannot do it is not a panacea it cannot solve all your problems it is not god itself and that is something one must mature and recognize um things fall into place much better when they're properly observed, you know, and, uh, that's certainly been true for me, but, you know, sometimes even when you worship at a, a false idol, it produces a fairly interesting aesthetic product. In fact, I think sometimes it produces a more interesting aesthetic product because it's a, yeah. a temptation. Yes, I, I was talking about yes because it's seductive and it's, you're never seduced by things that are like boring or not, um, you know, sexy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's that little th paradox at play there, and people might even want, like your work less if it's um, it's not as depraved or not as uh, entertaining. So yeah, you have to fortify yourself. You have to understand what you're doing. Um, to keep yeah, making like, yeah like michael i admit i i preferred when you were making sexually depraved comics exactly yeah, i get that a lot yeah. no <laughs> um i because i know uh we're i don't want to run too long i don't want your interview to be the longest because then no that would be horrible um, so, um but i did want to uh because we didn't we didn't talk about it at length i thought this was going to be a little more of a like um postseason wrap-up but um the plan was to do, you were doing a year and you were going to hit every week. You got that for, for the, uh, this year, right? I have achieved that for the 52 episodes. Okay. Yeah. And I have, if, I don't know if we're announcing it, but you're, you're, the plan is you're doing again next year, right? The goal is to just keep pushing. Um, okay. there, you know, Maybe there's a format change at some point, but I like the simplicity of what's going on in terms of the beautiful music by Mingja and Dory, and then just a conversation, then that's it. Uh, there's something kind of relaxing about that from both the production side and I hope from the listener side. Yeah, no, I I, I think it's working. This is fun. Um, and then is there anybody you got coming up you want to tease or anybody? Uh, um, no. Not okay. not particularly. I you know we'll leave that mis mystery as it is. Okay. Well, thank you, Michael. Um, oh, if I didn't say it earlier, uh, I'm Logan Digby. It'll be uh, in the title, I'm sure. And then um, and then this has been Blind Shovel. Anything you got, Mike? No. Just thank you, no. listeners. Yeah. Well, I think I did, but thank you, listeners. And uh, enjoy your day, Logan. Okay, you too, Mike. Music by Dory Bavarsky and Mingja Chen. Next up, we have Alfred Rosenbluth. Until then.